It's Mark Reardon for C-Speak, the language of executives, sponsored by PNC Bank. Today, Michael Scully, regional president of PNC Bank, and I welcome Eric Drucker, director of artificial intelligence at Booz Allen Hamilton. Eric, thanks for joining us. For those not familiar with Booz Allen Hamilton, tell us a little bit about the company and how you came to be an expert in AI, artificial intelligence. So Booz Allen Hamilton is a 105-year-old technology and strategic consulting firm. We support both the federal government as well as several large commercial and international organizations. Um, In terms of my background in AI, I actually got a degree in mathematics and graduating with crippling debt took a job as a cost estimator straight out of college. I was working for a project with NASA where our simulations that we were trying to run to understand certain outcomes for a spacecraft they were building were taking about 14 hours to run. My big breakthrough was inventing an algorithm that could run those in about a tenth of a second and get the same answer. And it was sort of from that I moved into our data science business, which is where really mathematics and business acumen and computer technology started to come together. And as we started to see this trend for taking those intelligent models that we were building and our clients wanting to deploy them into systems to actually empower those models to take independent actions, that was really some of the genesis behind our artificial intelligence business and how I came to be part of it. So, Eric, there's a lot of buzz about artificial intelligence, but there's also a lot of confusion about what exactly it is. Can you explain to us what exactly artificial intelligence is? Yeah. So at its core, artificial intelligence is essentially a way for a computer to perform tasks that would traditionally be performed by a human. But let's decompose that into two different pieces to give a more precise answer. So component number one, in the past, if we wanted to train a computer to do something, we had to explicitly program it to do a task. So in other words, if it sees an email come in, then forward that email along. The difference in today's systems is we're no longer training machines to do work explicitly. We're teaching them how to learn. So the example would be, it sees that traditionally, when I receive an email from my wife, that needs to be responded to immediately. And so without me taking any action or me giving it a rule, it would forward that email along to take action on. The second component relates to how these systems don't just provide us with information, but can take action on their own. And so we're starting to see the shift where, in the past, banks may have had computers tell them whether or not they should approve a mortgage or provide a measure of the risk associated with a mortgage application. Today, we're beginning to allow machines to take some of those actions on their own. So when I think about artificial intelligence, it's the combination of those two things, training computers to learn rather than programming them explicitly and then integrating them into systems where they can take action independently and without human interaction. Artificial intelligence sounds like automation. How does AI differ from the move towards automation that we've seen over the past decade? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one of the key things that we get asked when we talk about artificial intelligence. So really, it's not about how much is it different from traditional automation, but more how have we been able to expand the use cases by teaching computers how to learn. So there's things today that are using automation that we think of traditional that are actually leveraging artificial intelligence. So if you've ever taken a check and you've put it into an ATM to deposit it, Inside of that ATM, there's a system that's using an artificial intelligence technique called optical character recognition. And it's using that to take the data that you've written on your check in handwriting and transcribe that to something digital that the machine can understand. So as I think about how artificial intelligence and automation differ, it's mostly about how artificial intelligence and us training machines how the ability to learn is expanding the use cases that we're able to work against. So interesting. What are some of the emerging areas where we see artificial 
artificial intelligence being used today? So I think one of the big ones is centered around computer vision. So everybody's heard about self-driving vehicles and the fact that they're going to be able to identify not only things that are occurring in the environment around them, but the context for that. But there's a lot of other really fascinating applications for that technology as well. One of the things that has us most excited is the ability to apply computer vision to health. So when we go to the doctor and we get a CT scan or an MRI, a person has to look at that and try and make a diagnosis from there based on their past experience and their medical training. What if we had the ability to take the collective of all of those images and all that data that had been captured in the past along with the patient outcomes and use that to teach computers how to recognize conditions and disease early enough that they can be impacted and identified before a human may be able to see them. Just being honest here, all of this makes my brain hurt, okay? (laughs) It seems like artificial intelligence can be daunting. So how would you suggest executives prepare their organizations to take advantage of AI? So the first thing is this is something organizations need to be thinking about now. I mean, the classic business school example is how Blockbuster was sort of replaced by Netflix. And that's, that's a replacement that took place over the period of years. Well, with technology growing and expanding at a greater and greater rate, it is important that organizations are thinking about this now. So the two pieces of advice I give are first taking time, and we call it Booz Allen balcony time, taking a step back away from the tactical work of the business and trying to envision how trends that are driven by artificial intelligence could impact your business. So let me walk you through an example. Self-driving vehicles. What is that going to mean for businesses outside of the automotive industry? Well, number one, what does insurance mean when vehicles are driving themselves? How do we hold algorithms at fault or do we hold people at fault or manufacturers? That's something the insurance industry is going to grapple with. Five-hour energy. Something around 70% of five-hour energy purchases are made by long-haul drivers. When those are replaced by vehicles, what does that mean to the energy drink industry? What does it mean for Starbucks? And some of the societal effects as well. The number one source for organs that are used for organ donors come from younger folks who get in car accidents. Well, what happens when the accidents are greatly reduced and we don't have organs to be able to share with those who desperately need them? This is the type of sort of expansive thinking that we need to have as it relates to artificial intelligence as it impacts our businesses. The second component there is once an impact is identified, to take action. Don't wait for a technology to mature to pilot it, because by the time it matures, your competition, your disruptors will have already moved out. It's important to identify goals that can be achieved today using artificial intelligence technology that's ready, but that can be scaled to the business of tomorrow to help meet that need as it emerges. Many technologists and economists see artificial intelligence taking away from traditionally human-performed jobs. How do you see AI impacting the workforce, say, over the coming decade? It's hard not to think that AI is going to have an impact on our workforce. And I think we can see parts of that playing out today. Traditional transcription jobs, document transcriptions, those have traditionally been outsourced overseas. And we've seen that a lot of that work has been onshoring as transcription moves from something that's performed by humans to something that's performed by machines. The first thing that that tells us is that the lower skilled work that can be easily and inexpensively automated is going to be some of the first work impacted by that. The second thing we can take from that is how has that impacted, you know, India and what have they done around some of those things that have been outsourced to sort of prevent 
the job loss degradation. Well, they've invested heavily in education and in preparing their citizens for the workforce of the future so that they're prepared to not just be performing the transcription work, but being prepared to actually build those types of systems. And I think we need to be thinking about how our educational system, both traditional and non-traditional, is going to prepare that workforce for the future. I think you touched on this a little earlier, but Eric, what are some of the other risks that executives and I guess maybe society for that matter should be considering as we cede certain responsibilities to the machines? This is one of the things that as an AI practitioner concerns me the most about this technology. So in the past, let's say that somebody had been rejected for a loan. There's a decision process that we can look at and follow to audit how that decision was made. And at the end of the day, there's a human that can be held accountable. And even if it's not using artificial intelligence, but it's traditional programming, we can look at the explicit instructions given the machine to understand why it made the decision it did. But with artificial intelligence, we're doing something different. We're going to look at all of the mortgages from the past that have been approved and denied, and we're going to train a computer to replicate those decisions as closely as possible. Now, that's going to have two implications. The first is that human bias that in the past we had groups to hold responsible for, we're no longer necessarily going to have those same people to hold responsible for because these algorithms are going to be making the decision. The second thing is a lot of the research in AI that's being performed right now is in an area called deep learning. And deep learning models create an additional challenge because you can't always go back and easily audit why a decision was made. And this combination of the potential for previous human biases to make its way into artificial intelligence systems and essentially become institutionalized, as well as the challenges in auditing those systems to understand why those decisions were made, those are two things I think we're going to have to grapple with as a society as we prepare to move forward. So, Eric, what excites you the most about AI technology? Just the potential. And you look at, in the past, how difficult it was or how complicated it might be for an individual to build a system or to found the business. I think that these technologies that we have around artificial intelligence, not only are they creating, rather addressing use cases that can change the world, such as when we talked about health and reading medical screenings, but they're doing it in a way that more than just experts in that field can participate. So let me provide an example. Every year, Booz Allen Hamilton teams with a data science organization called Kaggle, and we have what's called the Data Science Bowl. And working with the National Institute of Health, we've been able to get health data, in particular medical images, as well as patient outcomes. And we've posed to a community of data scientists, can looking at this data, can you build a model that can identify lung cancer or measure heart flow or count cell nuclei to detect cancer? earlier and more accurately than can be done by a human. Not only are we finding that's possible, but the individuals who are creating these medical breakthroughs, they don't have PhDs or MDs. They have data science degrees. And it speaks to this notion that any problem that we have, societal, science-based, anything, that we can take and transform into a computational problem and provide data for, that we can open up the realm of sort of human creativity for all to participate in building that solution. For our entire interview with Eric Drucker and more C-Speak content, go to KMOX.com slash news. C-Speak, sponsored by PNC Bank. It's Mark Reardon for C-Speak, the language of executives, sponsored by PNC Bank. Today, Michael Scully, regional president of PNC Bank, and I welcome Eric Drucker, director of artificial intelligence at Booz Allen Hamilton. So we're always looking ahead on C-Speak. What do you predict the AI community will be talking about five years from now? 
So a few things. I think that the topic of ethics and cybersecurity are going to become more and more open as, number one, more of these systems roll out and we start to see the implications of organizations not having thought through the ethics. Number two, as data continues to leak and there continue to be data breaches, but those breaches start to have a more profound impact as more and more systems come online that they can be used for. I think the other thing is it's really hard to say today what we're going to be talking about in five years because the evolutionary pace of this technology is so fast. I mean, if you think about it today, the Apple Watches that we're wearing on our hands have the same computing capability of the Cray computers that when I was in elementary school and middle school, we were hearing all about. And if you take that that exponential growth and extrapolate to the future, it's almost impossible to envision some of the use cases for this technology that are going to develop. Eric, Mike, thanks for joining us today for another C-Speak. C-Speak, sponsored by PNC Bank.